Welcome back to Sweat and Grime, everybody. I am your host, as always, Brian, and we also Rick. have Rick. Yes, we are here. <laughs> live, absolutely. And uh, and for today's topic, we were going to start talking about. We're going to start off with a bang to try to hook you and really get you committed to the podcast. Here, we're going to talk about our worst job site accidents that we've we've been around and experienced. So <laughs> I'm going to let Rick start us <clears throat> off here. Uh, Ooh, what do you no think is pressure. the worst? No yeah, no pressure. pressure. Don't don't panic. But <laughs> what would you say is the worst job site accident you've seen? Oh, I actually watched a crane topple. So you've never you've never told me this story. You mentioned it right before the right before we went live here, and I told you to to hold it for the podcast because you've never told me this story. I had no idea you've watched a crane go over. Oh yeah, it was exciting in very horrible ways. What size what size crane are we talking? I wanted to say, so it was a big Manawalk track crawler. Oh, no shit. It was a full-on crawler crane? Oh, yeah. They had the maxed out counterweights. I wanted to say the stick was like 500 feet. No shit. Yeah, they were out there, man. They were setting precast. You done messed up, A.A. Ron! <laughs> huh. uh, how long. do you recover from that one? <laughs> it was a big stick. So, so go through. The, tell us the story because this is actually that's that's really intriguing. I've never been yeah. around a crane that has so, actually had an issue. So, it was wild. Just kind of like the so the scenario of like working with the crane. So I I kind of came like the crane pad builder out there. Yep. You know after. After so many uneven attempts of trying to like level the crane out and out there, we're using like called bank run and it's just like big boulders, small boulders mixed with like red clay dirt that just compacted together. And once this stuff got tight, it just didn't move. Yeah. So we would take like the D six and we'd have the trucks coming in and we'd just dump material on a hillside of a mountain. Right. So you're trying to level this ginormous crane up on the side of a mountain. So we would sit there and put this stuff in one foot lifts with big old sheep foot rollers and stuff. And I want to say we we're feeling like six to eight feet at a time as we kind of move this crane around the hillside. Holy shit. That's, that's a huge fill to be able to like, like you're supposed to be able to guarantee compaction when you've got a giant crawler crane rolling over top of it. Right. And so I never, this was like the first time I ever been around something this big on in a mountain environment. So we were building the Viceroy Hotel out in Colorado. And uh, so we were putting these big lifts in, long, ginormous lifts. And it would take us like a day to move the crane. So yeah. once we compact the snot out of this, like I made the guy just sit there and beat his brains out on the freaking boulders on the sheep foot roller, just do, 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 you know? Yep. Like I didn't, I was terrified that this dude's going to hook onto something and he's going to have to spin around. And as he booms out, we failed the compaction, right? Yep. So all needless to say, after a couple moves, like of leveling it out and taking a day to get the crane set up, this man, this man, walk, sorry, would come tracking onto the pad. And that was like nerve wracking. Yep. And as he came on, after spending hours and hours of compaction, this thing would compact what you lifted and it would drive everything down like two to three feet. No shit that far. <laughs> yeah. So, <clears throat> and we were using monster sheep foots, big dozers, big lifts. 
So we would have a couple of trucks on standby with material. So as he tracked on there and compacted, obviously he kept the boom on the uphill side. Yep. You know, to keep all the leverage and all the weight there. Yeah. But that thing, like, it, you you would just watch this thing drive boulders into the ground. You're like, holy cow. So we would level them back out. And then, you know, he would get set up. And they would spin. They would spin and check all four sides with the level. Yep. And so he had to be basically dead nuts because yes. they were booming out so yep. far <coughs> that when the trucks would back in, you know, they weren't backing all the way up to the crane. Like he's picking precasts 200, 300 feet away at all times. No shit. <laughs> yep. And when you, like well, so when sit. you say precast, are you talking, are you, were you guys doing like a, uh, oh, what the fuck? Box parking truck, like parking, uh, parking oh, structures. You're building parking structures. Yeah, so the hotel has parking structures, and then each floor was precast. Yeah, so I the gotcha. floors, so you would stand like pillars. They would, st- I wouldn't. They would stand pillars up. They would set them on the bolts. They would run the nuts down. They'd torch it, weld it, and they, you know, it's hold itself. And yep. every four pillars, they'd set like it looks like a bridge decking a precast. Yeah, <laughs> right. So shit was flying in the air all the time. And you had to be aware of overhead obstructions <clears throat> constantly. And so after working around this stuff for a year, um, you kind of come like oblivious to what's going on. Like, you know, shit's going, they're always hooked, but the operator was so good. You kind of come complacent. With, yeah. You just, you just assume that everything's fine and everything's good because it always has been. Yeah, and, yeah, you know, these guys were flawless. So, so bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for them. <laughs> and clearly in this instance, it didn't. <laughs> right. Well, actually, they they would boom down every morning, and they would check their cables. Yep. They would check everything. So Grease all the, all the pulleys. Yep. And, yep. Yep. So you kind of come complacent around it. And then so we had to move them around to the other side. And he had to actually, so he had to be able to pick from, he had to be able to pick from the first spot. So we moved him around the other side of the site and where he was at, we were vertical. Oh, probably 125 feet straight down. Um, and that was like the base floor. So you got this crane 125 feet above like the working platform, of the bottom of the bottom where the drains go, like on a basically a, a job site. Yeah. Starting with like footing drains, 101, 125 feet down, right? No shit. Parking structures. And I forget how many stories this thing was, but it's ginormous. And he had to be able to pick and hit backside of the building, right? So imagine this thing just sitting here, this ginormous beast. And we're supposed to be working underneath it that day. For some odd reason, I just had like this odd feeling that, you know, maybe we should just go around to the other side of the Bagel building. Tear? We didn't refer to tear. <laughs> we'll and work around the back side of the building yeah. today. <laughs> so I'm like, you know, we should probably go around the other side, throw in like some storm pipe and whatnot. Just like the whole idea of this dude flinging pre- uh, precast right above our heads just wasn't a good How about fucking news? feeling. You crazy Dutch bastard. So we went around the backside, thankfully, and we set up shop for that day. And 
it's just one of those things. Like you just kind of had that feeling that this just isn't a good idea. Yeah. <clears throat> well, thankfully, I listened to my gut of this wasn't a good idea. So uh, we're working. Everyone set up. The day's beautiful. The birds are flying. The sun's out. The job site's just flawless. All the crews were out there, and we were working on like a 500-person site. Oh, so this yeah. Was that's just, a big old site. Yeah, and this was just like a beautiful day. Yeah. Another, just another day in the books, taking it in, the view, everything. And right around like 11, 15, 11, 25, my radio just starts blowing up. And they were talking about, uh, they heard some kind of popping. Mm-hmm. From and the crane? That, yes. And Oof. that was from that was from the that was from my superintendent on a different radio. I was the second superintendent on the job. And he's like, Rick, Rick, Rick. He thought we were down below. He's like, I just heard something pop. And I'm like, Don't worry about it, Steve. We're around the back side. You know, no no need to worry. And what what they thought was popping was like the rigging equipment when it was picking up the precast. Yep. What it was, the operator did his job that day by checking all the cables. The cable actually started popping and breaking internally. No shit. The actual so you, cable was fraying inside. Yeah. So you got the big main boom cables. Yep. That hold that big dick up in the air. Yep. That cable, there's two of them there. They started hearing something pop. And like I said, they thought it was rigging. Yep. They heard one or two big snaps. And then, like a minute or two later, it just cut loose. And so, we were we were on the back side of the hillside, and when that thing cut loose, this fucking five hundred, this five hundred foot uh, tower, basically of this arm, yeah, just come crashing down and hit the building. No shit. So when the <clears throat> so did the actual cable snap and then kind of like, yeah, it broke in half. No shit, and so, it caused the crane to collapse. Yeah. Well. You need both cables to basically hold that the stick. Oh, up in the so air. you're not talking about the actual hoist cable. You're talking about the boom cable snap. The boom cables, not the no hoist cables. Shit. So think about this: those hoist cables run every day. You're right. Well, since they're using and getting flexed every single day, they're in phenomenal shape. Right. Those boom cables, most of the time, <clears throat> what do they? What do they really move? Yeah, they're, you know, they're just moving the boom 20, up and down. 20, pretty, 30 minutes a day. Yeah. The only time they actually check them is when they boom all the way down well, and check the cable, now, right? hang on now. Last week in the podcast, we talked about what, what it takes being an oiler. And if you're doing your job the way you're supposed to be, they right, should but be they, checked on the daily. They check daily. So here's the thing. How do you, you check up? Yeah, you didn't check your fucking cables. <laughs> so how do you how do you check the cable when it breaks internally? Well, because they yeah, did their check yeah. every day. Like you could only check the exterior of it. That's true. And I mean, these dudes were flawless. They knew their shit. They were there yeah. every day. That I mean, it was just one of those shit happened situations. Yeah, yeah. And so when this thing snapped, man, I watched this fucking thing just fall. And you talk about a fifteen second fall, like an Eiffel Tower just falling, seemed like. Forever. Eternity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can imagine. And, and when it fell, it come crashing down into the building. There was people working up on top that were, uh, so they were doing the precast 
And then there was guys that were doing like the flooring. I forget what phase of the building they were, but they were they were fabricating and also doing the flooring up on that elevation. He was tied off, and that would have been the one day in your life that you wouldn't wanted to be tied off to something, a structure. When it broke, the one um, support on the crane broke, and it like basically 90 degreed out. It grabbed his uh, fall protection line oh, and yanked no. that dude like 60 feet down in the air. So it killed him? No, he lived. What? Yeah, he lived. Holy he was, shit. He was pretty fucked up. Oh, I would imagine. Um. So, yeah, he lived. Uh, that would have been the one day you wouldn't know if actually wanted to wear your PPE and fall protective equipment that day. Yeah. You know, he was working with, like, no barriers, no cables, no nothing. So if he stepped off the edge of the building, he was gone. Right. Well, you working around this crane all day, you don't think this thing's going to ever fucking fall. So it right. fell. That dude got jacked up. He lived, I want to say he had multiple extensive surgeries afterwards. I was going to say, probably after an accident like that, you're on full disability and you're, yeah. you're done. He was an insurance victim, so yeah. hopefully he's taken care of now and paid out. Um, so did anyone die like or, or outside of that guy, did anyone else get injured? No, no one else got injured. Wow. The building, we weren't in the building, but the building itself... I wanted to say, dude, it was like a thousand some feet by whatever thousand feet. Yeah. It was knocked out of inches out of square and five inches. It no was shit. Just <clears> for right. the weight of the collapse. Yep. And so then the boom just looked like a slinky. Yeah. From the top to the bottom, you know, and then the other part where we were supposed to be, the rest of the boom was on the like entry level where we were supposed to be working. Thankfully we weren't there. And, uh, Tom was his name that actually ran the crane and he was an old timer, man. And he was, he just knew his shit. And like, we come around back up top. Cause I was like, Oh my God, what the fuck? You know? Right. And all the radios are going off. People are, you <laughs> people are just horrified at this. Yeah. Moment. Yeah. So, I thought, holy shit, the fucking pad that we built moved. Failed, yeah. That was my thought. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Crane was still there, still level. I'm like, whew, pressure off my shoulders, relief off the mine. Well, he wanted to actually go back. We had, there was a second crane on site that just arrived like a week earlier and go down below because the top crane could only build out like half of the building. Yep. Then the trucks are going to have to go around the half of the mountain so they could build the downside. And uh, this old timer wanted to go down there, and he's like, yeah, I don't see nothing wrong. We'll just start erecting the bottom side of the building. That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> I'm and sorry. Like, well, I'm a child right. when it comes to hoisting. Anytime you use the term erecting or erection, right? <laughs> yeah, it, it is what it is. Know, it's, it's all the same. <laughs> Those dudes beat off constantly, dude. Don't worry. And he's like, you know, we don't see a problem, man. We'll start just. So he was ready to just jump right back in the seat of another crane? Yeah. And oh, I'm like, no, that. dude. I'm like, I don't think you just realize what happened. He's like, I've been doing this a long time. I'm like, You're lucky you just you ripped somebody the dude just off the top fucking floor. <laughs> Your crane is collapsed. And if you ever hear about a crane accident, it makes national news. Yeah, right. 
And then this I guy's said, just like, fuck it, we'll move on. Yeah, I'm like, I don't I think you really... got a crane around the corner. <laughs> I'm like, I don't think you really understand, man. You just knocked the building out of whack. It's fine. It's fine. We've got yeah. another crane. OSHA's going to be here within the hours. Like, if you don't realize this, you haven't ever been on a job site, right? He's like, yeah, we'll just start backing trucks around. I'm like, Tom, I think... Everybody take to call five. This I got to switch cranes. This one's fucked up. <laughs> right. And we were working for uh, PCL Construction out of Canada. Um, they're global, global, worldwide, kind of like general contractors. Yep. And finally, like 10 of their trucks show up and, you know, the site starts getting shut down and everything else. But just the stupidity of like hearing Tom talk like, yeah, we're just going to go around the backside and we're going to just start erecting it back yeah, there. And no big deal. We no, got, no he's harm, like, we no got foul. trucks. <laughs> yeah. They like, we got 10 trucks coming precast today. I'm like, yeah, I think you're going to turn up bitches <laughs> around. Have to take a time out there, buddy. <laughs> right. So, I mean, it was pretty horrifying to see something like that. And then the aftermath, um, once the, so they kept the same crane, OSHA came, did their thing. The site was shut down for like three days. So what they do, just replace the boom, the, the lattice boom on it? Yeah, so they, they had to bring in like a hydraulic crane, truck-mounted crane, yep. and uh, pick up all the parts and start erecting that truck or that crane because they weren't going to bring the other big mana walk up around. Yep. <laughs> and it was wild. So like Snowmass Road is a busy road, and they the erect this boom, he would have to sit once they got it tore apart. He'd have to sit where he could put another 500-foot boom, but they would erect it on the main road. So all the cars that were going to go up and down the ski resort mountains just had to had wait to hang out. hours as this thing was just getting erected because there was such an incident on a job. And then, <clears throat> obviously, they started first ripping out all the crane materials that were left over. They restrung the cables, everything. Yeah. And this thing was ready to roll. So... <clears throat> What they had to do since the building was knocked out about five inches out of whack for a big structure like that, you had they had to do bring in like engineers and figure out where and what they could tweak to save millions and millions of fucking dollars. Yeah. So you ever see a chart on a crane of like the capacity that this thing could go up and down a hillside, like the Yep. The lift charts. Yep. I want to say it was like, fuck, 30%, 25, 30%. For a crawler crane that is fully erected. Yeah. I want to say that's, and I could be totally wrong because like I said in the last podcast, I was working on getting my CCO. I am not a certified crane operator. I have no crane experience outside of what I did at the training center, but I want to say with an erected crawler crane, you have to stay within like 6% or 10%. Like you yeah. can't get too crazy with it. No, dude, this was extreme. Like they literally opened up the manual. No shit. And it made sure they could go down the slope. They they went the cabat. So PCL, the head honchos were like, they opened the book up. And like I said, don't don't hold me to the number exactly, but I want to say it was like 25 or 30%. No shit. Slope. Of like just the, keep the, the boom most going uphill. Yep. So the most extreme that this thing could go without tipping out, like putting it to the max. To the max, yep. Because the job site was so tight. <clears throat> so we had this slope. 
Dude, I want to say it dropped th- every. It dropped three feet every ten feet. No shit. It, it was extreme. Like when we built it, it was steep. Running the D six and compactors and stuff up and down it. Yeah. To watch that crane, <clears throat> I remember watching Tom sit there, and he's like, "I'm." I know that the book says it could do that. <laughs> but I'm going to pucker my asshole going down that <laughs> <Yeah>. hill. <laughs> yeah. He's like, but we can't, we can't, we can't do that. Yeah. And he's like, well, your manual says. Right. This crane could do it. So if you can't do it, you need to call your boss and tell him to get someone fucking else here. <laughs> right. To drive this crane well, down that's, the fucking that's one of the beauties hill. of the dirt world right there. Or I should say the trades in general is the second someone's like, yeah, I don't think we should do that. They're like, okay, we'll get someone else. And it's like, well, fuck right. you, dude. Right. So I want to say it was like 100, 125 feet down. He almost went to like the basic floor. So I want to say he went 75 feet down. Wow. And we built like another pad. <clears throat> so the crane was now below original grade, booming up and down from trucks, right? Like he couldn't even see them. So Right. <clears throat> um, to watch that crane, like, so he, he finally grew enough balls and after hours of conversation, Tom jumps in this crane and starts the descent process and just watching those grousers slowly <laughs> into the yeah. teetering point of this crane as he's getting further there to watch this 500 foot boom. Dude, that'd be um, wild. That'd be to wild watch this to watch. boom. Just boom down as far as he can without hitting like traffic. Yeah, and watch him just slowly inch and inch in the anticipation. Yeah, dude, when that thing tilted to that descent, it made such horrible noises. Oh, I can imagine the boom, the, the cable chain, and the cables. Yeah, it was popping. You heard shit strange. Just rah, like, yeah. Oh, holy absolutely. shit. So if if you guys, as, as the listeners, if you're not familiar, have you ever watched uh, uh, the video of Big Blue going over, Rick? Mm, that sounds like something you need to keep personal. Oh, dude, I'm telling you, it sounds nasty. It does. That's what she said. But 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 in all honesty, go look up uh, Big Blue. I think they were they were building the the stadium in Milwaukee, if I remember right. And Big Blue. the the situation was. They were lifting these giant. It's a it's a football stadium that they were lifting these giant panels over top of, and they had this giant crawler crane. I can't even remember this. It was fucking enormous. It was an enormous crane. It had a luffing jib that was actually going over the top of the arena. I mean, this was an enormous crane, and they were lifting these panels into place. And the wind that day was gusting right around the max capabilities of the crane. And if I remember right, it's been a while since I've actually read about it. 1999, um, July Yeah, 14. 99, there you go. So um, if I remember right, the actual, the the primary operator, uh, operator of the crane refused to go to work that day because he knew what the wind conditions were. And, and, being, and in all honesty, this is where personal responsibility as a crane operator comes into it. Uh, he made the right call. He said, I'm not coming in. Like we're, it's not safe to do the pick. We're not doing it today. Iron workers that day, by the way. Uh, yes. So that is, that's the tragic thing about that. But, um, what ultimately ended up happening is they found, you know, as is 
pretty common in this industry or or in the trades in general, unfortunately, is they found an operator that was willing to do the pick. Uh, and and I'm just going to go out on a limb. I don't know any of the details, but I'm going to go out on a limb. And I'm, oh, my and I'm God, gonna say, dude. You oh, are you watching video. it? Yeah, YouTube. Oh, yeah, it. it's, it's fucking unreal. That was uh, a massive fucking crane. So I had about the same kind of stick without the jib on the top. Yeah, so I'll I'll pull it up and, and we'll watch it so that people can hear the audio here. Um, but I'm going to go out on a limb and just say that more than likely the operator that took over uh, was young, was a new operator that was trying to prove himself. Unfortunately, that's that's where people go uh, with with these situations is they go find an operator that's trying to prove himself and is willing to do it. And so ultimately what happened is uh, they did the pick and the wind picked up. And the crane ultimately ended up going over. And we'll listen to it so that you can hear the sounds that this crane makes. Because when this crane starts to go, uh, it is a it is a bone-chilling sound. So I'll, Dude, I'll play the video here. That is a massive fucking... It is. It's a massive crane. So I'm going to play the video, and we'll just, we'll just stay quiet so you can hear the sounds here. And so what we're seeing right now is the crane with this panel up in the air suspended. And you're about to hear the pop. Coming down now. So he's starting to he's starting to uh, bring the load down. And here it comes. Boom. So I'm going to pause it real quick. That pop that you're hearing is actually the the center joint in that crane where the lower structure, uh, the undercarriage of the machine attaches to the upper, upper structure of the crane. That pop is actually the pins breaking within the crane. That's what you're hearing right there. Going on here. Oh, man. That was such a massive. Okay, watch it, watch it. Shit. And it goes over. And it lays right over top. It's unbelievable to watch. That thing broke. So right, 30% up the boom. Yes. And so broke. uh the other thing, if so it's gonna I would highly encourage you to look this up if you've never seen it before. It's it's really incredible to watch not from a not from an oh that's awesome standpoint but just to really just, understand just and grasp accident. what's happening yeah like yeah, it is just awe inspiring uh the other thing i would encourage you to watch it back a second or even a third time there is a second crane in the background that ends up collapsing and that crane held um held a man lift uh with three individuals in it and what happened when the main crane collapses is it caught that basket, the man basket, and all three of those people ended up falling to their deaths. So yeah. super, super tragic thing. Um, when cranes go over, it's it's never a good day. But that one, unfortunately, we had, I, I want to say, was it three people? Did you look, Rick? Yeah, it's, it's three people that died. Yeah, three people ended up passing life. away. Yeah, so super, super sad. But um, 
it's incredible to watch, but it's also really tragic to see. So all that being said, um, Rick, if you're comfortable talking about it, have you ever been on a job site where anyone has been really seriously injured or potentially killed? Uh, yeah, actually I have. No shit. Yeah. Um, I've been on a couple jobs. That was probably my second. Yeah, that was my second job. Um, that I've seen an actual full blown accident. Uh, the one job we were actually on, one of the one of the trucks actually backed over one of the workers. Um, they kill him. Pretty, yeah, it killed him. It squished oh. his brains right out of the head. Oof. Um, you know, and all he was doing was his job, but he was walking around with headphones in, jamming out to some music. Yeah, not paying attention. Which you see a lot of people do. Yeah. And his uh, vest, reflective vest, actually was grabbed a hold of by, like, the tire, and it sucked him underneath and squashed his head. Time the truck driver stopped and realized that he killed him. I mean, it, it, it was, was minutes. Yeah. yeah. It was minutes afterwards. So. Yeah. Um, I was actually just looking in the Aspen Times when the crane collapsed when I was out there. It was in 2008. Oh, no shit. In the Viceroy Hotel, yeah. Huh. So, kind of wild. But, yeah, you should have seen it, man. When they had to just rip that freaking building apart and put that thing back together, dude. It was just, it was something completely different. It changed the whole environment, atmosphere, and safety and precautions of, you thought you were in this safe bubble and everything going so smooth. Everybody just knew their job to, you know, you start second guessing and all of a sudden like the safety meetings start happening a little bit yeah, more and yeah. your camaraderie is kind of just like, holy shit, did you just see what happened and what's going on? And man, you know, you don't lean on that shovel that way. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Don't, don't, Act like that. Don't you can't mess get, around you can't on the job. Complacent. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, it was it was just wild, man. Um, so when you see like a crane accident, something like that, it typically makes the move. Most of the time, there's death. That job, there wasn't death. Luckily, Aspen, thankfully. Um, yeah. Other than that, I mean, I, I've seen a lot of people. Injure themselves, you know, cut their leg with a saw. Yeah, doing stupid uh, shit. Maybe, like, I I mean, I actually took a dude's finger off once. No shit. You yep, never told me so, that story either. And I fucking well, work you know, with you. What the hell, I got, Rick? I got the archives gotcha, there, you know. <laughs> but see, that's, that's if what's going to happen. I, one day Rick and I are just going to be working together, and all of a sudden Rick's going to look over. And, gotcha, bitch. <laughs> there's only going to be one podcaster here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, fuck. Uh, Actually, we were slinging pipe, man, back in the pipe days. And, um, oh, yeah. That's got easy the cable, to do. Got the cable underneath. Yeah. Over top his finger. Yep. Right? And the guy that was actually setting the choker. Took the fucker right off. Yep. Gave you the nod, and the cable slipped. And next thing you know, he's screaming, hooting, and hollering. I thought he was Bagel pulling a prank. What did it And his fucking finger's on the ground, dude. And I started, oh, like, shit. vomiting from the seat. Oh, you know? you, oh, you started puking? Fuck yeah, dude. Amputation's <laughs> a real thing. Like, you do that at the doctor's office right. or something. You don't do that right in front of me, dude, on the job. Right. Fuck yeah, dude. I'm out, I met Ralph all over, man. Me and Ralph, we were having an episode. 
So, yeah, I mean, so I, I've seen quite a bit of stuff. A lot of close calls, man, even myself. Like, yeah. I've seen a lot of close calls, pipe, accidents, tree work, machines, um, shit that goes just completely wrong. And, you know, we call them life lessons, like learning curves. Like those are some of the most heads up fucking experience that when you almost died, like I was about to say, it's always the ones where you almost die that you're like, wow, that was a good learning experience. And, and later you're like, no, that wasn't a learning experience. That was fucking pure luck that I'm not in the ground right now. (laughs) Exactly. So, I mean, I've seen stuff that just is horrible and close calls, like, you know, shit, shit like that. that just gets out of control and people get complacent. Yeah. Um, Complacency now, I've heard, is one I've heard of the bigger lot things of, on the job. <laughs> I've heard a lot of people. Uh, one of my old labors back in the day actually died in a trench. Not with me, but what happened was, so actually I know of two person, two close deaths that yep. I was around. And uh, his name was Martin. He was a phenomenal labor, bless his heart and soul. But um, he was actually supposed to come when I was, just in the excavating part of just being an operator, not a foreman, you start building bonds with your labors and other operators. It's one of my and favorite like, parts of the industry. And like, so it is, I left for better money. My crew followed. Mm-hmm. So when I came into town on a job and I was the operator and you came a lead operator, you would also be like, hey, I also have so-and-so or multiple so-and-sos and they right. would come over well martin that day uh we used to do a lot of wet sewers and everything and i was already gone from that company at the time uh he went back for his shovel in the trench and it was a wet trench and when he went down to get his shovel from what i hear the bank half the bank collapsed yeah and it was wet so it was kind of like sandy quicksand and as that kind of filled up and comes around it went around his waist and it yep. started filling up to his chest. And if anyone's ever been in a trench, um, you know, it's it's real live shit. Yeah. So, I mean, I've had stuff up to my waist as you're doing the job, but you're paying attention. Everybody's there. You got guys kind of digging the debris out. You got the excavator digging like three, four feet away from you, kind of pulling the muck and everything out and the labor behind you, kind of trying to keep this material off of you as you're working on a water main or whatever you're working on. Yep. And, uh, you know, there comes a sense of like panic for some people. Well, he could only yell for so long because every breath that he took, the ground could place his oxygen. Yeah, I was about to say that's right? that's the thing that I think most newcomers to the industry don't really understand. You don't f- really grasp how fucking heavy dirt is until you think Especially about if you wet. were to take a, a dirt clod the size of a basketball. Like think about holding it. a dirt clod the size of a basketball in your hands. That fucker is heavy. And so to have your entire body surrounded by dirt, it's not like, you know, most people think like, oh, if, even if the dirt's up to your chest, like, oh, no big deal, no big deal. As long as your head's above, you're totally fine. No, fuck no. 
If right. you've got dirt around your chest, They're you've got hundreds of pounds of pressure pushing in on you. And just like Rick said, every breath you exhale is one less breath you get to inhale because that dirt displaces as you exhale. You yep. slow it's like a it's like a boa constrictor around you. Like you're fucked. Oh, 100%. And and the biggest thing is you can't panic. No, you have, you to, have stay to stay calm. You have, you to, have stay to stay calm. calm. So what happened is everybody panicked. I was off the job, so they had another operator kind of came in in the same scenario that we were just talking about. Yep. Well, if you ever have a guy in a trench, the first thing you do is you call 911 before you even jump in a trench to help someone right. else. Okay. <clears throat> Second off, you actually have to assess the situation if you could get in and help them without killing yourself or others. Yeah, right? And I will say... The first instinct is for everyone to go grab the hoe and start digging them out. Well, that's that how is he the died. worst fucking scenario you can ever. You will one hundred percent kill the guy that is buried if well, you that's try how to he dig died. him out. So instead of getting shovels, setting up the pumps, throwing the excavator twenty feet away, yep, digging a sump hole, yep, and kind of slowly eating your way. So at 20 feet away, as you start digging, you're relieving you know, the pressure. You're relieving the pressure inch right. by inch because you're not in a rush. Right. Like the banks already falled in. There wasn't probably something else. And his head's above. Division. He can, he's still there. <laughs> right. It's and a the different scenario if someone's fully buried, but the dis- right. the situation you're describing, the guy's, is his head is above level. He's still able to breathe, correct? Correct. And, yeah. Yeah. And it sounded like the dirt was underneath his armpits. So yeah. He was okay. He was probably shortness of breath, and he yep. wasn't doing okay. You could have started digging around him by hand, kind of relieving the pressure and having the hoe and kind of just working slow by slow. Because as you put – so imagine like a glass of water. As you put your hand in that glass of water, right, and it, the glass is half full, as you push your hand in there, you push the water out yep. of the glass. There's yep. nowhere for it to go. If it was only quarter full, like digging a relief hole, and you stuck that bucket in there, the water would maybe came up three quarters. Yeah. So it had it had it somewhere to go. Right. That's just a, this is just the topic. Displacement. Off, off yep. You're displacement. talking about displacement. Well, how he died, they panicked. They brought the hole up. Mm. They instantly went about three or four feet from him. And just crushed him. Jabbed the bucket into the ground. Yeah. There was nowhere for anything to go and it shoved a rock through him. Mm. Killed him mm. on site. So, um, yeah, I mean, the stuff that we do is real and there's a lot of things. And that's where you get, you know, the experience and the knowledge, not from just somebody dying, but I mean, that was always something that was stuck in my head forever. Yeah. As you get into the trenches, um, is the safety precautions and the shoring and, not just diving into something like that guy that walked away from that crane falling that day. You know, the operator that was like, it's too windy. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Overlooking somebody's knowledge that has the vast experience and vast knowledge of scenarios. And he's just like, it's too windy. Yeah. Well, by overruling that guy and bringing in someone else that doesn't have the knowledge, they might have a little bit of knowledge and the paperwork says that they could do the job, 
it cost them how much money and it killed people. Right. So. And, and that's where as an employee, you always, as an operator, and this isn't even just the dirt industry. Let's be honest. This is framers, iron workers, everyone. This is, this is all across the board. All, all of the trades. At the end of the day, most people, not I, I'm not going to say all people, there are some really good foremen and superintendents out there. There's some really good companies that are 100% safety focused. They honor and respect their operators when they make the call. They're not going to do something. But I would say still to this day, the majority of contractors are focused on that deadline and bonuses and not getting penalties. And so they're always going to try to work the angle of, like, no, you need to get it done. You need to stop being a bitch. You need to get it done. And that's where you as an operator have a responsibility. You know, take everyone else out of it. You have a responsibility to yourself to not put yourself in that dangerous situation. If you've got the experience and the know-how to say, fuck this, this is dangerous, I'm not doing it, which is exactly what that crane operator did that day with the Big Blue, do it. You're not a pussy. You're not lesser than you're not less of a man like it it's not some hit it to takes your masculinity. a big man it takes a big man to walk it, away i was about to say it takes bigger balls to walk away than it does to actually get in the seat that's the ironic thing about the way this whole thing is couched is you're couched as being the pussy when in reality you've got the balls big enough to say fuck you guys that's not safe i'm the expert i'm the operator i'm not doing it and you do need to stick to your guns in those situations. And if someone else wants to go risk their life, at the end of the day, just like with Big Blue, unfortunately, <laughs> the really unfortunate thing with Big Blue is three other guys that were totally innocent to that lost decision. Lost their life, man. Yeah, lost mm. their life. But at the end of the day, if you're in a situation where it's going to endanger your life and someone else wants to take it on, fuck it. Half at it. And yep. if you somehow, as this fill-in operator manage to make it work. And then, you know, that's the thing that always gets me is the guy who takes the risk and gets lucky and doesn't get killed, turns around and calls you a pussy. I'm sorry, but fuck you. It's the cowboy, man. Yeah, it's the cowboy you. wild like, west You mentality. got lucky today. That's the only thing you proved. You didn't prove anything about your manhood or my manhood. The only thing you proved is that you got fucking lucky and you're yep. a fucking idiot. It's the eight second ride of a bull, man. Oh, you know, 100%. the guys that percent. Yeah, the that's guys a great that analogy. Know when to know when to ride, and you know if it's your day, it's your day. That's the cowboy way, right? All right. Jump in that machine and get in there and get it done. And like, look in that video and the sounds. Yeah. Just that lift alone and the camera angle, like that was a pretty high profile job. Oh yeah. Yeah. And to have that monster of a lift, it looked like they were setting a whole new floor. Yeah, that was the that was the structure that goes over the stadium. It's like giant okay. fucking latticework panels. Okay. So that lift right there was so big and so important, so crucial, that the main operator walked away for the day because it was too windy. Yep. Being the cowboy operator that walked in behind him to fill those shoes. You didn't second chance, second guess, look at the book, open up what could happen, check the winds. I, I, you look at the size of that crane, the operator that was running it had to be highly experienced. And yeah. then you get the cowboy that just came in like, yeah, I'll set that for you. I got my right. CCO. Let's yeah. rig it up. 
and go. Like you didn't second question yourself at all. Something that high profile, but his balls swelled up. The cowboy got in the machine, hooked it up. Like nothing, not no bells or alarms were going off in this dude's brain. But I'm going to be on video and I'm setting the big arch across this right. stadium. And if it all goes well, this is probably going to be my crane. Well, and and, and like, unfortunately, what, what like the thinking? really sad part too is that fucking cowboy that somehow got talked into doing this pick, and it was his moment to shine. And he went out there thinking he was going to be King Dingling. He it's now over. gets to live with the fact that he fucking killed three guys. He did it. He well, made the decision. Who's going to hire you? Yeah, and and we talked about this last podcast when I was talking about getting your CCO. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. What anybody else, it doesn't matter what your super says. It doesn't matter what your foreman says. It doesn't matter if you got a, a master rigger on site that is in charge of rigging the load. At the end of the day, the second that pick leaves the ground, it's your responsibility as an operator. And that cowboy made the decision that he was going to do that pick. And at the end of the day, those three deaths rest on his shoulders and he gets yep. to live with that for the rest of his life. And so that's where I will tell you, if you're ever put in a situation by one of your foremen or your supers where they're telling you outright to do something that is endangering you or another individual, fuck those guys. Yep. Go, tell them, go find their fucking cowboy. You're not doing it. You got to know when to fold them and call it quits. Oh, 100%. You can't, you can't just go off of the guy that's the superintendent's got the little man syndrome with the high voice. Like, we're well, just going to yeah. get this job done today. Like... <laughs> You know, now go fuck yourself, dude. Like, yeah, you do it. You How jump in that you? machine and have at you it. Crazy Dutch bastard. Yeah. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> but, you know, and that's the thing is like, you know, you can't you can't be a pussy in this industry either. Um, But there's a big difference between being a pussy and being smart. No. And but that's what I was going to say. You can't be a pussy like when something could happen and. Let's say let's say the wind factor wasn't really that high and it was blowing like one mile an hour. You know, could you have did that job? Sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Now, if it was like wind gusts of 30, 40 miles an hour, you know, and the paper's just flying across the job site, and if you've ever been around a crane, even with it out, not hooked up, that big boom sways. Oh, fuck yeah. In the crane. Hey, if you've never been around cranes, uh, Google boom deflection and take a right. look at some of the pictures. And that's going to be a real eye-opening experience for you. Uh, and like some of that precast, man, like when they were picking that, you would watch that boom flex like on the tip. Oh, yeah. 10, 12 feet when you'd pick. That's what she and said. Flexing <laughs> on the tip, baby. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Flick it and spin it. Oh. No, that's so. So that's one of the things. Actually, it's funny you bring that up, Rick. That's actually one of the skills that you learn while you are in your crane training. Is as you pick up heavy loads, you actually have to boom up to account for the boom deflection. So, in other words, to kind of distill that down even further, as you pick up the heavy load, as more and more weight is transferred onto the crane from the load the boom starts to bend down towards the ground. And if you think about like a fishing pole bending towards the ground, bending it's actually rod. bending down. What's that? Bending the rod. Bending the rod, baby. That's what she said. <laughs> uh, so as the rod bends down, it actually, it pushes past 
So, so if you've got your hook, let me, let me kind of recenter here. If you've got your hook directly over the load and then you start to crane up, if you actually start to hoist up as the boom deflects, that boom is actually moving down, which means it's moving further away from the crane, which means it's actually going past the load. And so if you only hoist up, as soon as enough weight is off of the ground, that load is going to start to slide away from the crane. So one of the things you learn and one of the skills that you practice is you actually have to boom up at the same time you're hoisting up to account for boom deflection. And I, I'm being dead serious with you guys. If you have not Googled boom deflection, if you've never seen boom deflection, do a quick Google search because especially you don't see it as much on lattice work cranes, but on some of these rigid boom cranes, uh, like the truck cranes, it is crazy to see the view from the cab when you've got a heavy pick going on one of these solid boom cranes. Like, it is a fucking rainbow. Like, there is serious boom deflection. And it's designed to do it. It's well within the parameters of the machine. But at the same time, like, if you're not used to seeing that, you're like, what in the fuck? So. Yeah. There's there's nothing but dirty sexual talks when you're talking about rigging and cranes, man. There's nothing but dirtiness <laughs> here. Got it. <laughs> well, on that note, on that note, let's take a super quick break. And when we come back, I will go through uh, my job site, uh, my job site accident stories, and maybe we can bring this into a a nice and tidy end. Hey guys, welcome back. Unfortunately, this is editing Brian because uh, podcasting Brian screwed up that night. When we, when we recorded our podcast the other night, uh, Rick and I actually came back. We sat down. I went through my stories uh, and job site accidents. And unfortunately, because yours truly is a little bit of an idiot, I accidentally, <laughs> I forgot that we had recorded it in two parts. I accidentally deleted part two, uh, which was about 20 to 30 minutes more of conversation. I'm sorry, guys. I legitimately am sorry. But Unfortunately, this is the end of this podcast. I do appreciate you guys listening as always. Uh, we will catch you guys on the next episode of Sweat and Grime. Uh, we've got some really good stuff coming up. Uh, we have the vice president of the Association of Equipment Distributors coming on. We're going to talk about the infrastructure bill uh, along with kind of impacts to the industry, possibly some uh, some labor force uh, development topics. I mean, who knows where that conversation is going to go. I'm also going to have on a guest to talk about managing debt as you grow a company because, you know, as we all know that companies companies, or, or I should say starting companies in this industry is very capital intensive. It takes a lot of cash to start that up. So we're going to talk about managing debt in a healthy way. So absolutely hit that subscribe button if you haven't. And uh, if you if you feel like this is quality content, do us a favor, head over to iTunes and actually give us uh, a rating, a review. That really helps boost the podcast so that more people will find us. Uh, and it just really helps us out overall. But uh, as always, thanks for listening and we'll catch you guys on the next episode of Sweat and Grime. Yeah.